the thing is times have changed a lot and the way we've approached retirement hasn't changed. So, you know, the cost of college has ballooned, placing an enormous burden on my generation. And the this is an alarming fact, the social security trust fund is projected to be fully depleted by the year 2035. I mean, that is terrifying. We can't even have that to rely on and pensions are a thing of the past. So there's all these things that make it really difficult to save the money you need to save to retire at age 65. And that's where I think passive income is a much more attainable way to approach it. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss, as always on this fun journey. I thank you for joining me. And today we have Rachel Richards joining us today. You may know her as the money honey, Rachel, right? What's going on? How are you doing today? Hey, Yona. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I uh, appreciate you joining me. I'd love to give a little bit of context to you know who you are, what you're what you're up to before we get started in this uh, this conversation. But she's most famous for. I mean, I, I first came across her thing on the Bigger Pockets podcast, or perhaps another one as well. But that was a great interview. And you, at the age of 27, you had already retired from your quit your job basically because you had a lot of passive income from rental properties already at that point, which is incredible, which means you had worked up until that point, you know, getting your stuff together and have written two books, which are incredible. So they just mention them. Now we got money, honey. I would love to get into, you know, what, what's behind that. And then the second book that you recently published is called passive income, aggressive retirement. Yes. So you're a, a rental property owner and you're doing something really cool right now, which you just mentioned to me beforehand is you're just kind of traveling, traveling the country. Yeah. In Airbnbs. Yes, exactly. I lived in Kentucky for most of my life. So that's what I consider my hometown. I don't know if I sound like I have a Southern accent. Some people think so. <laughs> but last year, my husband and I moved out to Colorado and we lived there for a year renting a property. And then we decided we're young. We love to travel when otherwise will we have the opportunity to take a huge road trip basically around the US. So we decided to spend the rest of this year traveling all around the West, going from Airbnb to Airbnb and exploring a ton of different states. So it's a lot of fun so far. Yeah. What's the what's the best... Uh, I mean, I'm sure you've had a lot of explorations in the past uh, couple of months you've been doing this, but what's what's one thing that like kind of stood out that you saw or you experienced that you haven't uh, beforehand? I would say... I mean, there's people are so nice everywhere. And I think that especially we went to Sheridan, Wyoming, which was like a totally random place, such a small town. I think that people are really, really friendly in small towns. And I haven't spent a lot of time in small towns, but I loved that atmosphere. It was super cute. We also went up to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and we're in Boise, Idaho now, which we really love it here. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a great, it's a great, uh, great city and it's, it's growing a lot. I mean, I know a lot of people moving there and people that are investing there because the uh, real estate market is just rent is growing and it's a great market. I mean, all the stats are uh, positive for Boise. Yeah. That's what they've all said. And one thing that's funny is I've been corrected so many times on how I pronounce the city. Cause I was saying Boise and it, that's not how you say it. it's called it's Boise with like a soft S and oh, not as, okay. Oh, doesn't that blow your mind? It makes, I don't know. I can't, I have a hard time saying it. It's like so Boise. weird. Boise. Boise. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. We're in Boise. It makes sense. Okay. <laughs> there you go. 
It's funny that you uh, that shared in Wyoming is is considered such a, a you know such a small town because I think my LLC is from there. So like I think oh. everyone's LLCs are from shared in Wyoming. Yes. I was like this big metropolis. Yeah. <laughs> it was super cute. We enjoyed it. Had a good time. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about the, you know, how'd you get started with the money, honey? I mean, obviously you guys were in rental properties. You, you, you were figuring it out. You were doing things that you could reduce your expenses, increase your passive income to the point where you literally can retire because $15,000 a month in passive income, right? I yes. think that's what, what, <laughs> what that was at the point. So how did that transition into, you know, the money, honey? And, and what's that about? My first job out of college was as a financial advisor. I had some sales experience and I've always had this passion for investing in finance and helping other people with it. So it felt like the right fit, but I quickly realized that I was not passionate about cold calling people for nine hours a day, five days a week. That is pretty... And I'm an introvert. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm an introvert. I don't... That's very draining. So I was like, this is not going to work out. I still want to help people with money. And I, I didn't figure out how to do that until several years later. But fast forward to 2017, we had not started investing in real estate yet. We hadn't really done anything. That was the year that we started creating passive income. In 2017, we were both still working full-time, trying to invest in real estate. But by then, all my family and friends came to me for financial advice, which is great. That's what I love to help people with. At the same time, I began to wonder, well, why aren't they learning on their own or reading books or whatever? And then I realized, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's because personal finance is boring. (laughs) It's overwhelming. It's intimidating. It's complex. No wonder people don't like to learn about it. So I thought to myself, how can I make this topic sassy and fun and simple? And that's where the idea for my first book, Money Honey, came from. So I started writing it in 2017. I quit writing it four months later because it was this whole self-doubt imposter syndrome. I was convinced my writing was horrible and who did I think I was writing a book? So I quit. But luckily, a good friend encouraged me to pick to pick it back up. And really, at the end of the day, the only reason I went through with publishing it is because I told myself, if I can just help one person, that's all I want to do. It was truly something that I felt compelled to do. I wasn't in it for making a ton of money or creating this whole business. I had no idea what it would later become. And to my pleasant surprise, it took off and it really resonated with female millennials and young professionals and Gen Zers. And it did so well. And to this day, it has over a thousand Amazon reviews now, which totally blows my mind. So because it was so successful, I saw this opportunity where I could continue offering products and helping people and just giving this service of making this overwhelming topic, something that's easy to understand and that anybody could do. So that's where Money Honey came from. That's that's how my business began. And I'm still doing it four years later, even in retirement, because it's what I love to do. <laughs> awesome. And so, yeah, I mean, it's funny because we you know, talk about it's retirement, but really it's just doing what you love, right? It's it's quitting, working from corporate America for, for someone else making money from your work and being an entrepreneur and loving what you're doing traveling the country. I mean, living in Airbnb is just hanging out on podcasts and, uh, you know, um, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't use the word retired. It's more like financially independent because yeah. Cause people are like, well, Rachel, you're not retired. You're still working. And I'm like, yeah, of course I am. It's just that I'm now working because I want to not because I have to. And that makes such right. a huge difference. So it's really Absolutely. more about being financially independent and working when, where, and if you want. And it's something that I truly believe anybody can achieve. 
It's true. And so many times I ask, and I'll ask you as well at the end of the episode, I ask people like, what does success mean to you? And, and a lot of times people will say, you know, just it's that financial independence. It's to to be, you know, do what I want. And this is really funny, what I want, where I want, when I want, whatever, with who I want. But once you have enough passive income, right? That's like the, the game of cash flow, right? The more passive income you have that outweighs all of your living expenses, like you've won the game, right? You have now become- Exactly. That and that's, that's the epiphany I had a few years ago is that the traditional way we've saved for retirement and approach retirement is that we work 40 years, we invest in mutual funds, we work a nine to five job in the hopes that we'll have enough money at age 65 in order to retire and live off of that money for the rest of our lives. And that used to work really well. That's kind of how we've always done things, but that doesn't mean that it works today. The thing is, times have changed a lot, and the way we've approached retirement hasn't changed. So, you know, the cost of college has ballooned, placing an enormous burden on my generation. And the this is an alarming fact: the Social Security Trust Fund is projected to be fully depleted by the year 2035. That is terrifying. We can't even have that to rely on. And pensions are a thing of the past. So there's all these things that make it really difficult to save the money you need to save to retire at age 65. And that's where I think passive income is a much more attainable way to approach it. All right. So, I mean, that leads to your, your second book there, right? Passive Income, Aggressive Retirement, right? That's what it's all about, is creating those passive incomes. And you've done it through... Uh, obviously, one ch- one channel has been real estate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you've also created other paths of uh, you know income. Some of them are passive. I, I assume some of them are active to a certain extent, right? You uh, have a, a course now that you're you're doing, but is that? I mean, how would you consider that? Like, what are some of the other paths or other uh, streams? Of passive income. Yeah, I'm glad you're asking because not everything is 100% passive. In fact, I don't think maybe even maybe, real estate is not really right. You know. Exactly. There's no, there's some type of you have to do some type of ongoing work to maintain the income stream, even if it's just a couple hours a week or a few hours per month. There really isn't such thing as 100% passive unless it's like stock market investments, and normally you need two or three or four million dollars to make any significant amount of income from the stock market and from mm-hmm. dividends. But for things like rental income, for it to be passive or as passive as you want it to be, you really have to have a property manager. There's, there's not, it's not very passive to be a full time landlord, like, right? Like, no one wants to quit their job to be a full time landlord. That's not really right. passive income. So I always say that. And then in terms of some of the other things, I would say my books are very passive. It's something that I spent months and months writing and marketing and launching. And I do maintain my sales by doing some marketing and you know speaking on podcasts and doing things like this. But overall, it's definitely a lot more passive than a 9 to 5 job. And right. then with the online course, one of my online courses is pre-recorded videos. So besides me kind of doing the marketing to open enrollment each round, after I do that, it's completely passive. This other one that I just launched, it's not passive at all. So it's not really a part of my passive income strategy. It's just something I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, it sounds... And it, from from what I heard, it sounds like it's uh, something really fun that you're doing, right? Yeah. And exactly. That's what it is. It's my mentor who I learn a lot from. She teaches me about how and when to decide what new income stream to launch or what new product or service to offer. She uses the acronym ELF which stands for easy, lucrative, and fun. And the most important for me these days, like I've, I'm financially independent, so I'm not as motivated for money anymore. The most important thing for me is that it's fun. Real estate mm-hmm. investing is a lot of fun to me. I love to teach it. I love to help other young people and women succeed with it. So I was like, 
this would be fun. I'm just going to, I'm just going to put a boot camp camp out there and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's really just sharing your own experiences, right? Because when you've done it, especially when you're like managing your own properties, as you mentioned, which is not so passive, you know, it's a lot of work and, but sharing your experiences with others, you can, you can teach. And I'm a, a big proponent of, you don't have to be like this huge expert that's been doing something for 30 years in order to teach something. If you've experienced something, if you've been doing something, you can teach what you know and you can help a lot of people that way. Exactly. And that's where a lot of people get caught up. I mean, I remember when I, when I first quit writing Money Honey before I published it, one of my thoughts was, I'm no Dave Ramsey. I'm no Susie Orman. Why would somebody listen to me? And then I realized I don't have to be the number one expert in the world I mean, how many people would be eliminated from ever trying to teach anything if they had to be the number one expert in the world? You just have to know more than the person you're teaching. And, and then they can walk away with something valuable from you. So that helps me kind of get over that hump. And I truly think that everyone out there has a unique voice and a unique gift to share with the world. Absolutely. That's really cool. And you, you did these, uh, I mean, these, these book publishings and, and the courses that you've launched, are they things that you kind of figured out on your own? Or did you, you know, pay others to kind of just do it for you? Like, what, what was that like? I'm just curious. Because I'm so frugal, I always fall back first and foremost on doing it on my own and figuring it out on my own. And that definitely made sense when I was starting out and I was hustling and I was broke and I didn't have anything. I, cu- I couldn't invest $500 or $1,000 or $1,500 into a course or to hire somebody. So I just like read books and I listened to podcasts and I read websites to figure out how to launch a book. Two of the best resources I've found for self-publishing and launching a book are published by Chandler Bolt and You Must Write a Book by Honoré Quarter. And so I read Published by Chandler Bolt he has a bunch of programs and everything. But again, I, I was broke. So I was like, I'm just going to do what this book says and see how it goes. And it went remarkably well. <laughs> but I think that there comes a point where when you do have more money to spend and you are growing your business as an entrepreneur, you do need to have a mindset switch of, I can't just keep trying to do everything myself and keep teaching myself and learning like you have mm-hmm. to delegate and invest in help at some point if you really want to grow. And that's been Absolutely. hard for me because I'm such a frugal person that the idea of spending thousands on a coach or on a course or whatever, I'm like, why would I do that when I can figure it out on my own? The reason you do it is because you avoid all of the time and the costly mistakes you might make if you do it on your own. And you're paying somebody so that you can grow a lot faster. Right. So I've had to... I'm still learning that. That's still a lesson I learn all the time, but I'm getting better. <laughs> that's great. It's such an important lesson. I think everyone, whatever stage they're at, whatever they're doing, that's huge, right? You, you obviously save, and I've, I've seen this myself countless times, but um, you know, you're trying to save money. You're trying to pinch, you know, pinch corners here and there. In the end of the day, spending a little more to get that guidance will actually save you a tremendous amount in the long run. Yes, yes. Because being too cheap and cutting corners can cost you more money in the long run and will cost you more money in the long run. So I'd love to ask you just a few, uh, you know, if you want to throw out there, like a few, few like your biggest kind of money hacks or money uh, methods or whatever like that. Because I know you're very passionate about different, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, credit card and what to use or different, different things like that. Like what are some things out there that you could tell our listeners that we could take away some practical money management yes. or I don't know. Anything like that. I've got a lot of those. I could go for days. I know so. you 
and you can check out uh, your your online course, which is called Remind Us Again. It's called Get Your Financial Bleep Together. <laughs> so it's <laughs> okay. fun and sassy. It has a, there's a good vibe there. Um, but you can that's everything's on my website, which is moneyhoneyrachel.com. So thank you for asking. But yes, some money hacks. One that I'll share is something that I think will help with a mindset shift that's very necessary if you want to become wealthy. So I will often ask in workshops or classes or whatever, I'll ask, hey, if you're trying to save up money quickly for an emergency, something happened with your dog or your car, if you're trying to save up money quickly, what sorts of things do you immediately do? People will say, I'll stop eating out. I'll make my coffee at home. I'll cut back on online shopping. Those are like the three most common answers I get. And I realized after asking that enough that there's a common theme in those responses. We're all first and foremost focused on decreasing our expenses, which Mm -hmm. is a good thing because that is absolutely necessary. You you have to live within your means if you want to get ahead. So that's definitely the first step. But the thing is, there's only so much you can do to decrease your expenses, right? You can't negotiate your mortgage or your rent payment. You can't stop paying for your car insurance without having you know enormous consequences. So there's a little bit of a limit to how much you can decrease your expenses. I always tell people, if you want to save more money, there are two ways to do it. Decrease your expenses and increase your income. And for some reason, we just kind of forget about this second way. But the second way is way more impactful because there's nothing stopping you from making more money. There's no cap on how much money you can make in a year. So if you really want to make an impact on your savings rate and with your budget, you have to focus on doing both, decreasing your expenses and increasing your income. So I always start with that one. Yes, because uh, another way to look at it is you're going from a kind of a scarcity mindset of, Mm -hmm. I only have this much money coming in. So in order to save more money, I have to cut back. I have to reduce my standard of living, reduce my quality of life. That sucks. Mm -hmm. No one wants to live in that mindset. I don't want to live there. I don't want to have to give up going out with friends or give up my Starbucks or whatever it is. I don't want to have to give that up. And there's this whole other way you can look at it with an abundance mindset. And this is what I do now where it's like, okay, if I want to go spend 200 bucks buying some new clothes, how can I make $200 more elsewhere to cover that cost? And then I don't have to cut back. So I think just starting with that is kind of opens up your mind to all sorts of possibilities. And I guess it comes back to, I mean, you have to be creative because for someone who, let's say, is working a nine to five job, right? And, and I assume uh, a lot of the listeners to this show might fit that profile. And, and so how would you go about finding more income if you, you're you know, sitting there? And I think I'd love to hear your answer. I mean, the one thing that I, I think of, and it's about, you know, not necessarily what you do from nine to five, but what, what, it's what you do from five to nine, right? Mm, oh, I love that. Can I write that down? <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. That's amazing. (laughs) Yes, you're exactly right. You know, I think one thing we get caught up in with this idea of making more money or starting a side hustle is I don't have time, right? I'm busy, I'm overwhelmed, I'm exhausted, I have kids, whatever it is. I don't have kids, but um, a lot of people don't have time. And so it's hard. I did this activity once that really helps with that, and I called it a time audit. So for Mm -hmm. two days, I sat down with a piece of paper. And I wrote down everything I did in 15-minute increments, like from the moment I opened my eyes to the moment I went to sleep at night. Now, it's a pain. It's very tedious to do that. But it's also one of the most eye-opening things I did. Because I was over here saying like, no, I don't, you know, I don't really watch that much TV. I'm not on social media a lot. And I want to start this other thing, but I don't have time. And then when I looked at the results of that time audit, I realized I was spending three to four hours per day on social media or watching TV. And I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that. 
So that's what I would recommend you do if you're someone working full-time and you feel like, how could I possibly squeeze in another thing? Do that exercise and your mind will be blown. And I think it also, you would be, um, you would be fair to kind of figure out, I mean, like you said, some side hustles or other things like that, to kind of figure out like, well, how much time commitment would that even take from me to start something or, or to increase, you know, whatever other side hustle you may have already, and then be able to kind of reverse engineer that work backwards and say, okay, well, I do have an extra half an hour a day or, or whatever it is. And that will be enough to actually do that. So I think we're kind of selling ourselves short because we have this kind of two-sided look, right? Looking at things, number one, I don't have enough time. And number two, well, doing something like that would take too much time. And when you kind of combine those two together and dissolve the uh, you know the falsehood of of those statements, you actually come out with a a great result. Yes, and I do that all the time. You know, I'll build up something in my head to be way bigger than it actually is. Or, gosh, this is going to take all weekend or all day to do. And I sit down and do it, and it's like forty minutes. And it's like, why did I put that off for so long? So right. that's great advice. <laughs> no, absolutely. So that was a, I mean, great, great hacks. I mean, great, great ideas in terms of. The mindset. And I think that's the most important thing. We always fall back on that. What your mindset is, that's going to create your reality. And so make sure that your mindset is in the right place. And if you don't have your mindset in the right place, find some mentors or surround yourself with other people who are thinking like that and who are on the trajectory that you would like to get to, right? If you're not there, right? So if you're listening to, if you're listening to Wise Advice Podcast, you're doing a good thing. (laughs) That's right. And leave him a review. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, So Rachel, I want to transition now. It's kind of the final segment of our show and time flies by every time on this and it's hard to even imagine, but this is called the final four or four questions I ask all our guests. And the first question for you would be, what is the worst job that you ever had? It's a tie in my mind because the, the worst job is either when I was 16 and I started working at American Eagle. And it's not like it was a bad job. It was just frustrating to work hard and to be like one of the best employees, even at age 16. And then I'm taking home $7 and 25 cents an hour with no incentives or opportunities to get a raise or a bonus or a promotion. So Mm -hmm. it was just discouraging and annoying. And then I would say another one is when I worked in the real estate industry, I worked for this woman who was she was just cruel to me and not just to me, to her other employees. I mean, she was known for making people cry. She made you feel like you were so stupid. And my self-esteem took such a hit because I started feeling that way. And I'm not a stupid person. I'm a smart person. And for someone to make me feel that way is just incredible. So that one was really tough mentally and emotionally for me. Absolutely. No, that's, it's hard to bear. It's, it's unfortunate that now, that exists all over the place. And um, I mean, how did you deal with that? I mean, how, how long were you there and how, how, did, how were you able to get out? Yeah, I, overcome that? I was there for nine months, which was nine months too many. I had a lot of fears for quitting and reasons why I didn't want to quit. But um, I luckily eventually did. And I just remember one time that she made me cry and I went to the bathroom and it was just a low point for me. I felt so unimportant and so ashamed and embarrassed. And I remember looking in the mirror and thinking to myself, I am never going to let an employer treat me like this again. And I'm never going to feel trapped in a job again because of finances. And that was actually a big turning point for me in finally taking action on the things I'd always wanted to do, investing in real estate, 
creating passive income, finding a way to escape the rat race. Well, good for you. That's awesome. Uh, and it, it's hard. I mean, it really is. And going through things like that, I mean, you know, when we're in them, obviously it hurts and it's painful and mm-hmm. we can have that. Hopefully we can have that epiphany. We can have that turning point moment. Not all of us are fortunate to that, but you know, that's what uh, challenges bring us. Yes, exactly. And we're up to the second question. What is a book you've read that has given you a paradigm shift? This is so hard because I could name five or 10 books, but I'll do one like finance business one and then one other one. So the one that gave me a paradigm shift for finance and business is The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco. And it is a brilliant book. I talked about it on the Bigger Pockets podcast. And it's just, it gave me the shift of looking at things going from a consumer mindset to a producer mindset and becoming an entrepreneur and finding ways to add value to other people. And when you can help enough people, like you will be able to build a business and build wealth and be very successful in that way. So that was very eye-opening. And then another one, which is just more random, is The Five Love Languages. Oh, yeah. That has had such an impact in my relationships and an understanding the ways in which, in which you can make other people feel loved and important and special. So one of my all-time favorites for sure. Absolutely. No, that that's awesome. Actually, first time I heard that was uh, when Rod Khalif was one of the first guests on this podcast uh, about a year ago. And he he brought that up. I and mean, he actually listed like a laundry list of about like 20 books. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, you gotta listen to this, you this. And but that was one that stood out to me. And so I picked it up. And I, I totally agree. It was a big paradigm shift because, you know, and for for me also, I have six kids. So, and they're totally, each one of them is totally different. And I kind of went with my wife and we were talking about like, okay, we read this and then how can we apply this? Like who's what, right? Who, who speaks, which, you know, love language the most, because obviously we all speak all of them, but who can we relate to the most? Mm -hmm. It was so fascinating to experience that and try to figure out, you know, how we can relate to others. And obviously it affects all of our relationships. So I'm yes. glad you brought that have up. You, have you had your kids take the, the little quiz yet to find out? <laughs> we didn't. We didn't have them figure it out. We you kind can of probably just tell from the yeah, way they exactly. interact. Yeah. Exactly. We, cool. we pretty fresh. We kind of did it more uh, kind of orally with them. Like yeah. kind of work it out. Like how about this or that? We didn't like sit them down with the actual quiz. Right. Um, that's but, so but, smart yeah, though it, to be aware of that as a family. That's amazing. It is because it also opened them up to see each other. Yes. Um, you know, oh, well, he's really more like you know, he likes big hugs and, and she's, you know, like, uh, you know, likes gifts more than anything. So that was pretty fascinating. That was fun. That's awesome. So third question for you is what is a skill or talent that you'd like to learn? I want to become fluent in Italian. This is my biggest dream. I have gotten pretty good before with conversational Italian. My husband has family in Italy and they don't speak English at all. Um, but even before then, I've, I was obsessed with Italy and with the Italian language and I love everything about it. But now it's more so I want to be the one that keeps our families connected because there has to be somebody that speaks both languages if we're going to stay in touch with his family over there. So I have that motivation too. But someday I will become fluent in Italian. <laughs> there you go. That's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make that commitment. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then once you know Italian, I mean, a lot of the other uh, related Latin-based languages are, are very much related. Yes. So yes. easy to pick up. Well, there you go. And the fourth and final question is, what does success mean to you? I love this question. I To start, this is kind of cliche. I would say it's just about impacting as many people as I can, adding value, helping as many people as I can. But 
the way I look at it, David Osborne, who's a big real estate person, told me once that everybody has a has a dream, has a bucket list, has something that they want to do in life or achieve in life. Typically, those dreams have a financial component. People need mm-hmm. some type of money in order to do the things that they dream about doing. So in a way, if I can help people get their finances together and learn about money management, then I can help them achieve their dreams. And to me, that's what success is. That's awesome. And I'm, you know, I... I assume, and the fact that you have a thousand reviews on on that one book on Amazon, you know, that to me, probably, and, and as you said before, even if you help one person, I'm sure you've helped a number of people. I mean, I don't want to know how many exactly, but I'm sure you've helped hundreds, if not thousands, of people out there to do that and to help them get better about their finances and getting themselves together, right? Getting their bleeps together, right? <laughs> That's, yeah. um, so I, I commend you on that. And obviously the, the sky's the limit, right? If there's no, there's no telling to how many people you can actually impact. That's so true. Thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. And how can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Yeah, thanks for asking. So both of my books, Money, Honey, and Passive Income, Aggressive Retirement are available on Amazon in ebook, audiobook, and paperback. And what I'd love to do for your listeners, Yona, is if anyone wants to download my Passive Income Starter Kit, I will give that for free. So you can go to moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus to download that. There you go. We'll put that in the show notes. And anyone wants to check that out, make sure to go to moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus. This is awesome. We, we've, we've uh, in this short, you know, I, I, I tend to think, you know, maybe I should change the format of this to make it a little bit longer because I always love the conversations and we could keep going for forever, but I'd like to keep it half an hour. It's kind of yeah. what I said that, but it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me and I appreciate uh, you taking the time. Yes, thank you so much. This is such an honor. Thank you for having me. Oh, and uh, to our listeners, thanks again for joining on the fun ride of the Weiss Advice Podcast. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.